Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. I am Anna Harak from Convince and Convert here with the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Now, today we have a very special guest. We have Chris Daly, who is the VP of Site Testing at Disruptive Advertising. And today's podcast is a little bit different in a very, very good way. Today, we are all about conversion rate optimization, otherwise known as CRO. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert here, but it's for a very good reason, because a lot of you out there might even be saying, well, why are we talking about CRO? That seems, you know, maybe like it lives in another department outside of content. But as you go through the show today, listen to the very end, because you're going to hear why Chris thinks that CRO should really be owned by everyone. And I couldn't agree more. Randy, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you probably feel the same way, but this really felt like it really was the definition of content experience. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, you know, we spend so much time and, and maybe even historically, we've spent so much time talking about CRO or content optimization. I think we often thought about it more around the, the lines of, you know, on the creation side, right? Like, how do we optimize from an SEO perspective? Or how do we optimize to get people to our site? But what Chris kind of hit on for me was, how do we keep people engaged with our content? How do we get them to the point? where they're going to convert with us. And he hit on some really cool examples. So I, I, again, no spoiler alert, I won't go too much into it, but start to talk about what to think about in terms of mobile versus desktop with the same assets and how sometimes with the right content, it's not just about the right content, but it's about the right length of content for the device that people are on. So really interesting topics. Totally. Well, and especially such a key part of creating that entire experience is content. And um, I myself as a former content creator, as a content strategist, as a content marketing strategist, I fully encourage every single person who's involved in content listening to this podcast right now to get involved in CRO. It is such a critical component of what we do every single day. And it's it's not just one department. It's not just search. And um, I think, you know, the examples he gave, you're so right, Randy, are just so relevant. And a lot of it is content. Absolutely. And, and why don't we, uh, you know, have a listen in here. We're going to hear some amazing examples, uh, you know, of companies that are struggling with these same problems. And that's some of the things that I love when our guests can actually bring ideas that you, our listeners, can tune into and say, you know what, we got to go talk internally to our team figure out how we optimize. And as you hit on it, Anna, this is a full team project that people have to undertake. So without further ado, let's hear the podcast with Chris Daly in with us earlier this week. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. So excited to have you joining us here. And maybe you can start off for everyone and just give context to what you did today, and then maybe like that, you know, one minute version of how you got here. Yeah. And first, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. I love talking about 
content marketing. This is such an expansive world, and I'm just I, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to chat with you guys today. Um, so my area of expertise is I do conversion rate optimization. So the way that I explain this to my mom is I help people figure out what should be on their website. <laughs> and this can be anything from blogs to e-commerce sites to B2B companies. You know, I, I work with all kinds of businesses, which is super, super fun. And what... Um, kind of ignited my passion for this industry came about five or six years ago. So at the time, I was doing search engine optimization, which is all about getting people to your website, getting traffic. And I was working in-house for a company. We were crushing it on the SEO front. We tripled our organic traffic in like nine months, and which sounds really great on paper. But as we started to look into what was happening with that traffic, we realized that most of those people were bouncing off our site. Most of the people that we were getting from organic uh, searches were not engaging with our site. They weren't converting. They weren't doing anything. And so I started to dig into why. Why is this happening? What's going on? And the more I dug into it, the more I realized we did not know our audience. We didn't know. We knew our audience. We knew who they were, but we didn't actually know what they were looking for when they came to our site. We didn't know what they would respond well to. And no one could really help me figure this out. Why was this happening? And so I discovered A-B testing. Uh, it was still fairly new at the time. And I ran a, an A-B test on one of the pages on our site. Conversion rates went up. I thought, how the heck did that happen? What it, I didn't know what I was doing, uh, but conversion rates improved. And so that's where I really just started to love this idea of what is it? What is it about? What did I change here that, that really influenced people? What is it about whatever, you know, content or design or, um, you know, media that really engages people and that people respond well to? And that's the question that has just kept a fire in my belly for the last several years. Well, I'm really excited that, that that is a question because like, and I know you're about to jump in on the same thing. This is what you and I talk about all the time. And it, it, it draws a lot of, you know, this whole conversion optimization thing and your path, Chris feels very aligned to the things that we talk a lot about content, which is that, you know, people thought as long as I create content, people will come and consume it and I'll be a rock star. Right. And it's kind of the same way you put it. As long as I, get people to my website, then everything will work itself out. But it sounds like you're kind of trying to solve the same things that we're advocating for here, which is, you know, how do we get the best journey? How do we find those various touch points, understand who we're talking to, to get them to convert? And I, I'm wondering, I mean, how much of this term of buyer journey mapping that Anna and I both love, you know, comes into your world on a day to day. That's a, a huge, huge part of, of what we do. So, you know, there's when somebody comes to a website or a blog or wherever it is, um, there, one of the challenges I think that most people have, whether you are a content creator, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a marketer, one of the challenges that most people have is, there are a lot of various reasons somebody might come to your page. Uh, so I'll give an example. I work with Mike Stelzner over at Social Media Examiner. Um, we've been testing on his blog now for close to two years. And one of his big challenges is there, 
he, he does social media content. So, you know, all kinds of, there's so many different aspects to social media and he struggles with, okay, well, somebody could be coming to my site for information about Instagram. They might be coming for stuff about YouTube, Facebook. There's all kinds of different content on my site. I don't know exactly what somebody's looking for when they come. And then even if I do, even if I know they want content for Facebook, I don't know if they want a really in-depth how-to article. I don't know if they want a theoretical, you know, just general update type of article. I don't know exactly what they're looking for. And then you take it even a step further. Even if I do know exactly what content they're looking for, look, they're looking for a how-to guide. Do they want a 10,000 word meaty article? Do they want a quick 10-step bullet point list? Do they want a video of me talking through something? Um, you know, you don't always know that stuff. In fact, very rarely do we know that stuff when we first approach a, you know, a, a, con a piece of content or a new web page or a landing page, a blog post, whatever. And so a huge part of what I do is helping people figure that out. What kind of content in this situation will the audience respond best to? And how do we track that? You know, how do we know whether or not we delivered what the audience was looking for? What are the relevant metrics we should be tracking? You know, on a blog post, should we be tracking how far down the post they scrolled? Should we be tracking time on page? Should we be tracking whether or not they clicked on any of the links in the article or whether or not they clicked onto another page of our site? There's all kinds of ways, you know, that we could track success on a website. So how do we do that? How do we measure whether or not we're delivering what people are looking for? And how do we influence that? How do we increase those relevant metrics um, is a big question. So what's funny is, you know, whenever people talk about the definition of content marketing, it's always in the frame of, you know, providing really helpful, useful, usable content to, to assist people with their search. And what I love, I really do, I'm so excited that you're here, Chris, um, talking about conversion rate optimization is that it really is just that exactly like what you just said. It's, it's, you know, putting that strategy together and forming the basis for why we're doing content in the first place is step number one. You have to have that foundation. But then once you start really developing content, CRO is really a great way, like you mentioned, to just get into the minds of our users, get into the minds of our visitors and understand more of what they love. And you know, I love especially that you were an SEO practitioner and you brought this to everybody's attention because I do feel sometimes that, you know, everybody's first instinct is success is based off of how many views things get and how many visits things get. But to your point, if people weren't doing anything with that, that wasn't necessarily success. So how did you sell in sort of that messaging, especially when people are so locked onto like that first touch attribution model? Yeah. So, and this is, this is a, a big challenge, especially for people that have traditionally been focused on those I call them top of funnel metrics, you know, views, likes, shares, um, you know, clicks. Um, it, that, that's where it requires a, a little bit of a mind shift. And so one of the things that I usually, that I love to do when I'm engaging with a new company or uh, I'm, I'm giving recommendations to a friend or something um, is I will... I like to gather as much data as I possibly can about what's happening with people. So I'm a huge fan of 
heat mapping technology. Heat mapping is one of the easiest ways for a content, somebody who's involved in content, any, any kind of content, video, uh, blog content, um, uh, you know, there's all kinds of content that you could be creating. But he, what heat mapping does is it allows you to see what are people doing when they, when they arrive at this page. So if it's a blog post, what, you know, how far are they scrolling down this post? What exactly are they clicking on? Um, and when you lay that on top of the data that you're already probably gathering, again, for a blog post, that might be how long did they spend on my page? Uh, how many, how many pages did they visit in this session? Whatever. Um, when you lay that on top of that, you get a really good idea of, are people doing what I want them to do? Um, okay, I got someone to click on on my article and come to my blog post. If they only stayed for 10 seconds and they immediately left, that's not really... It's probably not accomplishing my goal. Um, and anytime I run a heat map on a page for someone they're always surprised with the result that you get back. They're always surprised with something um, inside of that heat map, whether it's, wow, why are all of those people clicking on that image on there? This is a blog post about, uh, you know, whatever, how to write uh, an essay for your English class. Like, why do they keep clicking on that picture of that dog or whatever it is? Um, and and anytime you see something like that and you start asking that question, why are people doing that? you're immediately hooked and sold on the idea of testing. Well, let's find out. Let's run a test. Let's figure out what happens. If we link that somewhere, if we remove that, if we move that somewhere else, you know, or if we change the picture, what's going to happen? Um, that, that's a great way to kind of get people started thinking in the right direction of why is this happening? Nice. That is such a great way to present that is with data and actually laying it on top of current efforts. Chris, I want to dive more into this and especially talk about some of the metrics and even how people can get started on CRO today. Um, but before we do that, we are going to take a super quick break to hear from our sponsors. So stay tuned and we are going to come back with Chris Daly. This episode of the Content Experience Show podcast is brought to you by Fable. Fable is the Swiss army knife for content creators. Its cloud-based marketing platform provides storytellers with a collaborative and creative tool to easily develop, create, and distribute content. Whether you're a large enterprise company or a scaling startup, Fable's immersive and elegant platform drives engagement and delivers customers to your doorstep. Fable is a content studio in a box with the platform production and distribution that enables brands to deliver stories simply and seamlessly. Check it out at fable.co. Again, that's fable, F-A-B-L dot C-O. Welcome back to Connex. I'm Randy. We've got Chris here and we're talking about maybe the most important thing that comes out of our content, which is conversion. Although I'm sure people could debate that and say that it's the ability to build a relationship, of course. Now, when we think about what are our goals from our content? It's it's a really interesting topic, Chris. I don't know about you. I was actually at an, an event last week uh, called ICC, Intelligent Content Conference. And I was chatting with different people about what they care about at the end of the day. And I had two marketers who I was talking to at the same time, one who was all about lead gen. You know, can they convert a lead? And the other who really didn't care about lead gen, they just wanted more engagement, more eyeballs, more time on page. What do you kind of, you know, chase for yourself in terms of the holy grail? Well, so th the first thing is, I mean, there's not really a holy grail of conversion, right? It's whatever the goal of your particular 
you know, if you have a blog, if you have a website, whatever it is, whatever your goal is, but ultimately you should have some kind of action you want them to take. Anytime you're creating content, there's always some kind of action you are hoping that they will take. So with nonprofits, a lot of times this can be really challenging. Um, just as an example, nonprofits, a lot of times are not trying to do anything other than further their message. However, you can attach specific uh, conversion events to a, co- a piece of content. So I worked with a group called Operation Underground Railroad. These guys are these badass Navy, ex-Navy SEALs and CIA operatives that go and rescue children that have been abducted for sex trafficking. Like just a horrific, um, a horrific industry, I guess you could say, that they are in. Um, and their content was to raise awareness. Well, how do you measure awareness, right? How do you measure whether or not you are actually accomplishing that goal? That's where it's really easy to go into, oh, well, we'll just measure clicks and page views, that kind of stuff. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to actually attach this to two main things. Number one, social shares. So are people sharing this content with others? And number two, actual donations to their cause. Right, so those were our two conversion events that we were tracking. So a test that we ran was we wanted to figure out: does the length of the article affect shares and donations? Very simple test. All you have to do is create. You just write an article, what it, how, whatever length you would normally write, and then you create one version that's longer and one version that's shorter. Um, so we created. We had three different lengths of articles that we were testing, and then we measured donations and shares. What came back, the data that we got back was fascinating. It was so interesting. We also, uh, you know, put heat mapping on each of these different experiences so we could see what exactly is happening. Did we get more donations? Did people scroll farther down the article? Did we get more people sharing? And the most interesting thing that came out of this is that it was different. The length of article people wanted was different for desktop and mobile devices. So on desktop, the longer the article was, the more the the more donations we received. It was really really interesting, and the longer people spent on the article, uh, the more people actually got to the bottom of the article. On mobile, um, it was the shorter, <laughs> the better. So having a more condensed version of the article generated more action, and this was again this this brings up a really interesting question: Why? And we can all assume, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. People on mobile devices typically don't spend as long reading. Um, and so if we can give, if we can deliver to them a more concise version of the same article, uh, people are more likely to take action. If they can get all the way to the end of the article, they're more likely to share. They're more likely to donate. That's wild. I mean, when, when you think about it, we, we always hear about uh, optimizing for mobile, and we think about you know, making sure that it's adaptive to the screen. But to your point, we got to also think about you know what is someone in the mood for in that point. You know how much of their time might we get? And there's op- opportunity to obviously optimize well beyond screen dimensions. Absolutely, it's almost like a psychological play too, right? Oh, it totally is because you want to understand. You want to you want to understand what is the best experience in this given use case, 
right? So you can also look at other metrics besides device type, like where did they come from before they came to this particular piece of content? Because you might get somebody coming from the Google search results where they were specifically searching for your kind of content. And then you might get somebody that you you ran an ad for and they're not exactly sure what they're getting, right? They weren't actively searching for you when they uh, when they first came to your website. They might have been on somebody else's site looking for something else. And they clicked on some kind of a remarketing ad that you had or they clicked on an email that you sent them. The frame of mind of someone that just clicked on one of your ads versus somebody that was searching on Google for your type of content is completely different. And so a lot of times when, when we're running tests for you know different kind of companies, we'll measure all of those different results separately. Hey, for organic search, we had this winner. For paid search, we had this winner. For social media, we had this winner. We had different, different experiences that worked for different people that were in different frames of mind. Do you have any tips or tricks that your team uses about kind of getting into the mindset of the users or even understanding sort of where they're coming from? Or is it really just based off of like testing? You've seen these types of behaviors and patterns, or do you actually do things like empathy mapping and persona creation and things like that? Well, of course we do a lot of that. So persona creation is super valuable because it helps you, if you do it correctly, creating a persona helps you to understand a little bit more about these people. However, the challenge that I've seen with people that do a lot of persona creation is they think that because you created this persona and you may even have a ton of data to back up this persona, you think that because you have that, you have all the answers. <laughs> and the persona really should just suggest to you a couple of ways to think about your users. Okay, we understand this person has this level of income. They're typically this, you know, coming from this uh, type of location. They, ha- they, they have this, these circumstances going on in their lives. Okay, so now based on that, not what should we put on our site, but what are some different ways that this person might want to be communicated to? Right? And that will help you start to generate some test ideas instead of what most companies do or most people do is, I've got this persona, therefore they want this. <laughs> um, so yeah, but a, a couple in terms of like tips and tricks. So I just um, actually gave a presentation at Social Media Marketing World that was um, 90 minutes long, where I basically went through kind of my top tips and tricks. But in the interest of time, I'll kind of boil it down to a few things that I like to keep top of mind um, when I'm when I'm thinking about testing and specifically testing content. So one big thing is call to action. So this is regardless of whether you're trying to generate leads or get someone to subscribe to your blog or read your article, there needs to be a very clear call to action. So psychologically, When somebody comes to a new page they've never been to before, a new site they've never been to before, um, psychologists have done all kinds of fascinating research on how long people's attention span is and how, how much attention they give to a new site. And it's typically about two to three seconds. So two to three seconds is all you have to convince someone to stay on your page for longer. So in that two to three seconds, there's two very critical things that somebody needs to understand. Number one is that your content is relevant to what they were looking for. So we can talk about that in a second, but relevancy is very important. But the second thing that they need to understand is what they need to do. So if you have a call to action you want them to take, it needs to be obvious to them. And even if that's like your share button, 
right? Did you like this article? Share this with your friends. That needs to be obvious so that they can understand what is expected of them. It helps reassure people psychologically so they don't feel like they're going to have something sprung on them later, right? People don't like feeling surprised or feeling bait and switch kind of a thing. So if it is literally just, we want you to read our article and share it with your friends, make that pretty transparent and obvious. If it is, hey, we want you to subscribe to our blog, hit them with that call to action as soon as they get there. And they may not be ready to take that call to action immediately, but at least they are reassured that they know whenever I'm ready, I can do this. Um, so that's, that's super important is figuring out, okay, is my call to action communicated clearly? If I came to my page, can I see that call to action in two to three seconds? Um, that's, that's a test that we run frequently with our clients is where should that call to action be? What should it say? Um, you know, should it be right? Like, bam, in front of people's faces, like, like blinking, flashing lights or. These are big questions to your point. I mean, we talked about this earlier that a lot of us think that if we just put out our content, good things are going to happen, but there, there's an art to all of this. And, you know, at Uberflip where, where we work with a lot of our customers, a big focus is, is called action, right? It's, you know, how do we contextualize that call to action? You know, what are we suggesting? As you said, is it, is it content that we suggest should suggest next, or is it, you know, providing us more information or giving you the opportunity to subscribe? It's hard to throw too many options. And I'm, I'm wondering is, you know, maybe one last question. We, we've only got about a minute, so we're going to have to keep this one brief. But, uh, you know, a lot of people listening to this are probably struggling with, okay, so who's supposed to own this part? right? In our organization. Is this, you know, on the content creator? Is it on the digital team? And, and obviously a lot of people could, you know, call you up, uh, Chris, and, you know, work with disruptive advertising and, you know, get a lot of that third party, but who in the organization is, is often the best champion that you find for these types of projects? Well, so this is, you, you probably won't like this answer, but I, everyone should own this. So wh- whatever your particular role is, you should own testing anything that you touch. So if you are responsible for content, you should be testing the content. If somebody else is responsible for getting someone to the page, then they should be responsible for testing anything that's relevant to their area of, of responsibility. And so there may end up being overlap and that's great. I've seen, I've worked with companies like Fandango and they have (laughs) the most insane testing meetings I've ever seen in my life. They'll have 30 or 40 people in a room, not always in a room, uh, you know, but virtually. um, And they're all responsible for different areas of the business. And they're all talking about tests that they want to run, tests that are going to be um, most beneficial to their particular area of focus. And then they all coordinate. They all coordinate their plans together. Now, I mean, that's absolute insanity. And I don't recommend having meetings with that many people normally, but they get it. They understand, okay, I'm over the content. I need to make sure that people are taking action on my content. He's over lead generation. He wants to make sure that our content is leading people to become a lead. And so we need to make sure that we're all coordinating and that we're all focusing on 
taking responsibility for that. I love that. And it's, you know, to your point, it takes a village, right? And and I think that's that's got to be the mindset uh, across a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast, from the creation of content and everyone who has to fuel what we, what we need to use in the stories that we tell and what stories we need to tell. And then ultimately, you know, how we get that content to perform the best, which is a lot of the key takeaways I think people will have from this podcast today. Chris, if you got a couple more minutes, we're going to keep you around, going to get to know you a little bit behind the whole work stuff and uh, we'll be right back here on Connex and Anna will drill you. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And Chris, thank you so much for sticking around for the personal side. We're excited to get to know a little bit more about you now that we've gotten to know all about CRO and your approach and your recommendations. So first off, we understand that you are actually dabbling in some painting Bob Ross style. Is that correct? I am. So uh, my wife for Father's Day last year uh, bought me a Bob Ross starter paint kit. And which I, I kind of laughed at when I got because I had told her I used to watch the Bob Ross show when I was growing up. And, um, and I have, you know, so on a personal note, I have never been very artistic. Um, I, when my, my kids do art projects for school, I, they, do, they do it better than I can by a long shot. I can't draw to save my life, anything. And so when my wife bought this for me, I kind of laughed and thought it was a joke, but it was like, $150. So I was like, Oh, it's a very expensive joke. So I might as well at least try it out. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, you know, p- plugged in the DVD, followed instructions or whatever. And like four hours later, um, I popped out a, something that actually looked like a painting <laughs> and it was mind blowing to me. And it was so satisfying to go, wow, I spent four or five hours painting and I actually have something to show for it. It was such a great creative outlet for me. Um, that I have now painted probably, I don't know, I'd say close to 30. Is your, is your house like filled with these things or, or these, are these like gifts, like housewarming gifts? Like instead of bringing a bottle of wine now, you bring your own painting. Yes, to both. So I've got, my daughter has a bunch of them hanging in her room. I've got, I have like a stack of probably 10 of them sitting in my parents' basement right now. <laughs> um, oh my God. Just happy little trees everywhere. Happy trees everywhere. And it's, but it's been, so for me, self-care is very important. You know, I, I lead a pretty busy life between work, between taking care of my kids, my, you know, relationship with my wife. And there's just a lot of things going on. It's so important for me to spend time taking care of myself. And this for me has just become almost like the ultimate self-care. I'm developing a skill. I'm doing something I enjoy. Um, and so if I need to spend four hours a week painting, it's totally worth it to me. Well, on that note, I'm going to leave us with the... I mean, we've been talking all about call to action. So you lined this up and you kind of opened up the, the Pandora's box for this. So beware. But this is also going to be the ultimate call to action. Because if you take a look at the get to know you part of your website, where you get to know the team, they poke fun of you about how much you take care of yourself, where, where they say, you know, when he's not fixing his <laughs> hair, you'll most likely find him pursuing the boundaries of A-B testing. And now everyone's going to be so curious that they're going to have to go to disruptiveadvertising.com to see what this hair looks like. So I think I've lined up 
the best CTA possible for you guys. We will leave it on that note other than thanking you, Chris, uh, for joining us on Connex. Uh, on behalf of Anorak at Convince and Convert, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening to Chris Daly on this podcast, please check out all of our other past episodes by downloading at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts or go to convincingwork.com to learn more about this podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in and making this part of your listening. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.